1: Good evening, everyone, and welcome to a very cold edition of Ghost Chronicles Next Generation. Right here on Togeonet, Pararex, Ghost Channel, and beyond. I am, of course, New England's own Van Helsing, Ron Kolak, and with me, my charming, oh, uh, God, the blonde bombshell herself, ah. and Kerrigan.
2: Your charming, what?
1: Yeah. That's what I'm saying. What?
2: <laughs> You're just mad at me because I hate Christmas. Uh, I don't know.
1: <laughs> well, whatever. Hi, everybody.
2: It's awesome to be back. I feel like I've been gone, like, for 100 years here.
1: Don't oh, you? Well, you been?
2: Oh, well, we've been gone for two weeks.
1: Oh, you and have been actually. I, I haven't been gone. I've been on.
2: Oh, well, that's true. That's so. true. You, you have your, those other Ghost I Chronicles shows.
1: Right. So right. you right. might have withdrawals. I don't. <laughs>
2: oh, I always get my Van Helsing fix, I'm sure.
1: Yeah, there you go.
2: Whether I want it or not.
1: <laughs> yeah. So looks looks like we got another live show coming up on, what, the 21st?
2: Yes, we do. January 21st from EBC TV. Are we going to tell them our guests or is it going to be a surprise?
1: Oh, no, we're not going to surprise them. We want to promote it. All right. So,
2: you know how I am totally into cemeteries? No, really. And all that stuff, right?
1: Yeah. So,
2: someone even more into cemeteries. And as a matter of fact, she's a published author, which I am not, but hopefully someday I will be. No. Mm-hmm. So, let's make that someday I will be. Okay. Yeah.
1: When Christmas Rock freezes over. Wicker.
2: Roxy's wicker, okay yeah very big cemetery aficionado uh, really nice lady and I'm very excited we're gonna have her on the show on the twenty first live from UBC TV Studios and we're gonna talk about haunted cemeteries <laughs> yeah.
1: and I actually a s- special piece I will be doing on the show as well oh really about, about a cemetery I visited so
2: Oh, are you going to do the cemetery tripping this time? Am I Am I going to have a month uh, off? I don't
1: know. You, you may have your free cemetery tripping. I know how you love it so much. I okay. just have my own little piece, that's all. All right, cool. So there you go. Can't
2: wait. Can't
1: wait. Wow. So speaking <laughs> about dead people... We have a guest on the line, and he is someone I've known for quite a while. Uh, we've done a lot of things together, some I can't discuss in the air. But anyways, <laughs> he is an author and a light host historian, Mr. Jeremy Dontremont.
3: Speaking of dead people, <laughs> I, I think I Hi, should Jeremy. be offended, but but since it's you, I'll, I'll let it go. <laughs>
2: Hi. Jeremy, the last time I saw you, you were a dead person. You were a dead... That's true. I thought you there were a dead, a dead uh,
3: fisherman or something like that. Yeah? Fisherman. Dead <laughs>
2: fisherman at, at Halloween. I wasn't sure
3: what I was, but people decided that's what I was, yeah.
2: Well, he looked good. He looked really dead.
1: For a dead guy, yeah, I guess I looked pretty
2: yeah.
1: good. will <laughs> always be dead to me. Don't worry about it.
2: Oh, <laughs> Nice. Nice, Ron.
1: So, uh, so Jeremy... uh, Yes. You, uh, you have written a ton of books and and if people were interested in your books where could they find all these millions of books you have written on lighthouses
3: Um, they can find them in a few different places Uh, online they're they're, uh, available on Amazon I have a website uh, newenglandlighthouses.net and if you go on that site one of the choices at the top of the page, and the, the menu is um, Lighthouse Print and Bookstore. And if you click on that, it'll list the books, but it actually takes you to Amazon to, to buy them.
2: Oh, wow.
3: Um, but they're right. available in a number of bookstores, too. If people are uh, in New England, a lot of Barnes & Nobles carry some of my books uh,
1: among oh, other places. You, can even, you even go to the uh, Lighthouse. <clears throat> I think we have some of those books at the Lighthouse when we have our open houses, don't we?
3: We do. Indeed, we do. Yeah, at Portsmouth Arbor Light, uh, from uh, <clears throat> excuse me, late May to uh, October, during our Sunday open houses, we do sell a number of my books so at the uh, merchandise table. Uh, awesome. And I can even sign them uh, if I'm there, and I do plan to be there at least some of the time uh, on Sundays mm-hmm. this coming season. If
1: not, I'll sign them for them. Not a problem. That's true. Because <laughs> nobody can read my writing anyway. So there you go. Yep. <laughs> I can't read mine either, so you're
3: right. It probably doesn't make a lot of difference.
1: And, uh, you know, I mean, you've been writing and, and involved in Lighthouses. You were the operations manor, manager for uh, the Friends of Portsmouth Harbor Lighthouses. You were one of the founders, if not the founder, of Portsmouth Harbor Lighthouse, along with Roxy Wicker. right? It's who's going to be our guest? The...
3: Roxy was one of the early uh, board members for some yeah. years. She actually, uh, in our early days, she led some haunted tours, walks uh, near the lighthouse. That was one of our first fundraising events back uh, around 12 or 13 years ago.
1: So even back then you were interested in the paranormal as well as lighthouses.
3: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'd say my interest in the paranormal predates my interest in lighthouses, as a matter of fact. Sure. Ah,
2: well, that's Yeah,
3: yeah. I've been interested in in paranormal stuff since I was a... A child, and uh, the lighthouse stuff really started about 30 years ago. Of course, I was still a child then too, but right, a little yeah. bit. Later. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's
2: right. Oh, weren't we all? Right. Yeah. right so, uh, I'm
3: still uh, a child, as a matter of fact.
2: I hope yeah. so. Yeah. Uh, Everybody's anyway. a child, you know.
3: Yeah. Don't give it up. Yeah. No nope. okay. right. <laughs> I don't plan to, especially at <laughs> Christmas. Right.
2: Oh yeah, Ron, throw it in. And Halloween. Go ahead. Throw
1: that Man, knife in. <laughs> anyway. anyway, so uh, you you got interest. In how, what uh, interest in lighthouses? What made you see the light? <laughs>
3: Very hmm. good. That's cute. Um, I uh, the uh, person I I blame most of all for my interest in lighthouses was the late Edward Rose Snow. And I have no doubt that some people listening know who Edward Rose Snow was. I'm sure there's some fans listening. He was a really really popular historian of the New England coast who wrote zillions of books. Um, used to lecture all over New England and he was, when I was a kid in the 60s, okay, I'll admit it, um, uh, growing up in Lynn, Mass, uh, Edward o. Snow was constantly on Boston radio and TV, you know, telling his stories about um, lighthouses and ghost stories. He loved ghost stories, too. And uh, shipwrecks and pirates and all kinds of neat maritime stuff. So um, I got to meet him a couple of times and he was my my inspiration um nice. and i later i even got to uh annotate and edit some new editions of his books which was pretty cool too nice <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: wow yeah he
3: was he was quite a he was an amazing guy he was larger than life mm-hmm. uh among other crazy things that he did he used to on occasion dive out of uh, a lighthouse uh, near boston <laughs> minot's ledge light <laughs>
1: Really? And he did it
3: uh, the last time i know of that he did it was on his 62nd birthday or 60th birthday in 1962 mm-hmm. uh and he would climb up the ladder to the doorway that was about 65 feet above the water and and dive out and he did that on his on his 60th birthday and i actually have a film of him doing that oh my he was God. uh <laughs> his own daughter said that's when she knew her father was crazy but <laughs> that's part of why he was you know he he uh he lived life with a passion so that that really uh, inspired a lot of people
1: and, yeah and i'm that's glad, awesome. you brought, glad you brought that up jeremy because uh in addition to all the things writing books and everything you also give uh, lots of lectures and i, I know that you, you do a lot of lectures and, and you have some great material in your lectures about lighthouses some about haunted lighthouses as well so uh uh your lectures are, are they listed on your site as well
3: yes they are
1: um, yeah
3: in fact uh next one i have coming up is uh early next month i believe it's going to be february 4th in winthrop massachusetts for the historical association i've Uh spoken for them a few times um and i'll be talking about the lighthouses in the boston harbor area uh you know close to to uh to winthrop but uh yeah in the halloween season everybody wants the uh talk on lighthouse ghost stories so I, i do that a lot usually in october but um if you go to my website, again, New dot net, there's a, a menu choice for uh, lighthouse lectures and people can see my,
1: my upcoming schedule. Wow. Winthrop. Oh, nice. Now, Winthrop, oh. uh, uh, Ann, mm-hmm. don't we know someone in it?
2: Yeah, I bet you're going to see our friend, our good friend Ellen McNeil up there.
3: Right. Uh, she has been known to come to my lectures in Winthrop. <laughs> I know I know, Ellen. She's she's a interesting person, very, very nice person. <laughs> I mean that in a, in a good way. And, I know. You uh, know she'll, what? She'll be there.
2: We love yeah? Ellen, and we've never met her. Oh, okay. In person. Yeah. Ne- never so. in person. And um, but mm-hmm. uh, one of these days, we're all going to collide, and I think I think like the world may blow up or something when that happens. <laughs> <close, so. laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> she's a great no, she's person, a, and uh, she's yeah, very into the historical. Uh, she comes uh, a couple uh, of my lectures. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. She's into yeah. the dean. The dean Winthrop. House, I yeah, yeah. I've spoken
3: at the Dean. That's uh, where mm-hmm. I'll be speaking in uh, early February. Right, The Dean right. Winthrop I House, think. one of the oldest houses. Uh, yeah, in yeah. New definitely be yeah. seeing
1: her. So, yeah. anyways, uh, you mentioned mm-hmm. that uh, that Mr. Rowe or Snow, whatever his name was, used to jump no. off of uh, lighthouses into the water at Minette's Ledge, and and that's actually the topic of your new book, isn't it?
3: Yes, it is. Now that you mention it, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I've just uh, published a book called uh, Lover's Light, uh, The History of Minot's Ledge Lighthouse. You know why it's known as Lover's Light? No, I don't, but Would you, you like tell to tell, you? tell
2: us. Tell us, tell us.
3: <laughs> okay, since you asked so nicely. Um, <clears throat> what happened was in the late 18th, well, Minot's Light, first of all, is a very, very dramatic lighthouse. It's a hun- over 100 feet tall, a granite tower. Uh, built on a submerged ledge south of Boston Harbor. And uh, to me, it's one of the most dramatic lighthouses in the world. It's, it's what people call a wave-swept type lighthouse. And, you know, sometimes in storms, huge waves hit it and go, you know, the waves sometimes go 100 feet over the top of the lighthouse. Um, but anyway, in the late 1800s, the government decided that they were going to give every lighthouse in the country an individual characteristic as they called it or a different flash you know some way so that every lighthouse could be told apart very easily mm-hmm. and the plan was to give every single lighthouse a different numerical flash and Minot's Light was one of the first ones to get that they gave it a one four three flash meaning it flashed once there was a pause flashed four times there was a pause and a flashed three times and somebody a long time ago decided that the one four three stood for I love you so it became known Aww. as the "I Love You" light or the lovers' light. So that's where that comes from. And there nice. were actually at least a couple of songs and songs and poems inspired by that as well. Um, so
2: Ed, Ed, you also posted that in our chat room on Toginet. Mm-hmm. Said it was one forty-three. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, cool. I met yeah, Ed. A lot at of people. Halloween. What's that? Right, I met Ed at, at our Halloween party. At oh, the, Ed Stevenson. Uh, the estate. Yeah. Oh, okay. Hi, hey, Ed.
3: Hi, hey, Ed. Hey, Ed.
2: So. Uh, he came with you, right? I'm not crazy.
3: No, you're not crazy. Well, you may okay, be, but not right. a, you're a little right about that anyway.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm a little, you know, um, um, brain dead. But anyways, I remember. I remember that. Okay.
3: <laughs> my brain is frozen right now. It's so cold. Out. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> the wind is howling outside my my home right now. It's really
1: oh, intense. God. What's interesting is that one thirty three. We used uh, one four three. Jan and I have been since we've been married and dating. Actually, have used that as as uh, when we hold hands. Uh, that's always been our little uh, signal to each other.
2: Mm. Really?
1: Yeah, we really? just press. Yeah, we we press our hands. You know? We've been doing that since I've known her.
2: Oh,
1: isn't that sweet? Aww. I know.
2: That's sweet. <laughs>
3: So uh, is, my You should give her a, a pendant with you should give her a pendant with minus uh, lighthouse on it. Right?
1: Light. Now, now the interesting Ooh. story about minus ledge is that it's just been recently sold. Is that right, Jeremy?
3: That is right. Yeah, uh, it was sold uh, by government auction a couple of months or so ago, and um, basically, it's uh, you know the government's getting out of the lighthouse business, as you well know. Um, and I'm sure a lot of listeners have seen newspaper stories about that. Basically, they're trying to find uh, nonprofits and, you know, different organizations to take over the lighthouses, but if they don't find any, they auction them to the general public. So no organization wanted to take on Minot's Light because it's, you know, it's a mile offshore, it's on on rocks that are underwater at high tide. It's very hard to access and very, you know, expensive over time to, to maintain. So it was auctioned to the public. And the person who was the high bidder at, I think it was, I forget the exact price, but it was over, a little over $200,000. I think that's what it was. I might be remembering that part. No, it was. I think it was $222,000, if I remember right. The high bidder was um, a guy who's the uh, chairman of Polaroid.
2: Oh. Uh, and,
3: uh, yeah. Um, and uh, naturally, I'm having a senior moment. I should be able to tell you his name right away. It's Bobby... Maybe Ed Stevenson will post it on uh on the uh, chat room. Bobby Come on,
2: Ed. Ed, help share me out here. Help a guy I'm out. I'm looking at my
3: <laughs> own I'm looking at my own book. Bobby Sager, S <laughs> A G E R. Yeah, okay. he's uh chairman of Polaroid and a very well known Boston area philanthropist. Mm-hmm. So he is now the owner of Mine It's Light. Neat. Um, yeah. So it'd be interesting. I, I certainly wish him the best. But yeah. a number of uh you know, offshore, more uh remote Difficult lighthouses like that have been auctioned to the public in recent years.
2: Mm -hmm. And, I mean, a lot of people live in them now. I mean, that sounds like it would be a tough one to live in, but I know lots of people do.
3: Yeah, people live in in some, and some have been opened up for overnight stays for the public. Uh, For instance, uh, Borden Flats Lighthouse in Fall River, home of Lizzie Borden, named for the same family, the Borden Flats Lighthouse. Um, is now, uh, it was also sold at auction a few years ago and it's now open for overnight stays. And it's an offshore lighthouse. You get taken out by boat and climb up a ladder up the side of the lighthouse and spend the night. And it's, it, it, you get a bonus. It's haunted too. All right. In <laughs> fact, Ron and I have done an investigation there. Right, Ron? the best
1: part. Oh, right. Borden Flats. That's right. Now I understand. Yep. Rose Island yep. as well is another one.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Rose Island's another haunted lighthouse where you can spend the night. Really, really mm-hmm. popular in uh, Newport, Rhode Island. Beautiful place.
2: Mm. It is beautiful. Someday I want to get down there and stay. That's, that's I,
3: I cool.
1: thought you went there. Mm-hmm. What's that? I, I thought you went there. Uh, Ian.
2: We didn't stay. We didn't. We didn't go into the lighthouse. Um, we actually investigated um, my group at that time. The um, the armory which is oh. kind of a big antique store now but um oh, yeah. we actually investigated the armory and then uh we did go out to the island that the lighthouse is on but we just went in the bunkers we didn't go in the lighthouse
3: mhm mm. so it's a really neat place and the um yeah. the fort there yeah, you know, the bunkers fort hamilton have has, has mm-hmm. uh, goes, you know has said to be haunted as well mm. so but it's uh Haunted or not, it's a it's a beautiful place. But Ron and I have uh, been there a couple, a couple of times. I can't say I got much sleep either time because we were pretty much investigating. <laughs> we had probably the most dramatic uh, episode of table tipping or table tilting that I've seen, and I think maybe that Ron's seen too. Is that, is that right, Ron?
1: Uh, I would table. agree, uh, yeah.
3: Yeah? It was... Uh... What you doing, sound like Pay attention. Ann <laughs> sounds like she's really close, to, as, as I'm hearing this to Ron. You sound like you're, like, millions of miles away. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's, uh, uh, that's because I'm on Skypes and Ann's yeah. on the oh, phone line. Okay. You're, you're on the phone line. Uh, it comes over the air. It comes clear. But uh, as far as communicating between ourselves, it's it's more difficult. That's why mm-hmm. you guys talk over me constantly. <laughs> <laughs>
3: No, we just we just ignore you. That's all.
2: We just don't but, uh, want to listen no. to you. That's all.
3: I can okay. I can hear you better now, actually, than I could a
1: while ago.
2: Anyway. <laughs> so, anyways, in your, in your well, new book,
1: yeah, what I was actually going to ask if if you could give us a little bit of the history of because it has a great history. It sure
3: does. <laughs> uh, you know, I uh, I I think Minus Light is the most interesting lighthouse in the country, historic history wise. It's not the prettiest lighthouse. It's it's one of the most interesting. It's not, you know, nobody would ever call it pretty exactly like a lot of lighthouses are. Mm-hmm. But the history is amazing. Um, first of all, there were a lot of shipwrecks in that area. It's um, it's off of Cohasset in Situate, Massachusetts, you know, it's south of Boston Harbor. Uh, so there was great shipping traffic uh, going up and down the coast, going to and from Boston Harbor in that area. And there were a lot of shipwrecks over the years, but the go- government – Uh, Our government in the uh, late 1700s, early 1800s was was more interested in saving money. They didn't really want to spend a lot of money on lighthouses, so they put off building a lighthouse for a long time. Finally, in uh, the late 1840s, uh, a lighthouse was built, but it was only built for about $20,000. It wasn't nearly enough money to build a, a lighthouse in a place like that. So a lot of people thought uh, they should build a, a granite tower in the style of uh, Eddystone Light in England, very famous wave-swept lighthouse, probably the most famous lighthouse in the world. But instead, they save money by building a kind of a spindly, spidery kind of structure, a tower on iron stilts with uh, two floors of living space at the top. And you look at... There are no photographs of it, but you look at drawings of that first lighthouse, and it's almost funny it's so ridiculous looking to think that they thought that that could stand for a long time in such a, a you know exposed location like that out in the ocean. Uh, and sadly, it didn't last very long. It only lasted about a year. Um, and uh, there was a great storm in April 1851, uh, with uh, two young assistant keepers left alone at the lighthouse. They were both in their 20s. One was from England, one was from Portugal. The head keeper was away on shore. He was actually away because he was getting a new boat because there had just been a storm that washed away their boat. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, he was in town getting a new boat, leaving the uh, the assistant keepers with no boat alone at the lighthouse. Uh-huh. And this huge storm came in, and most of Boston was flooded. You know, it was a tremendous storm. And uh, the two young keepers they were determined to stay at the lighthouse, you know, no matter what. They had no choice anyway. They had no boat mm. to get away, even if they wanted to get away. But um they uh they dropped a, a note in a bottle uh during the storm late at night. Uh it was found the next day and it said that the lighthouse is uh shaking two feet in each direction now and uh they <laughs> think it would last the night. So um <clears throat> as it turned out people on shore could see the uh the glow of the light until after midnight but then it disappeared and uh they could hear the fog bell in the wee hours of the morning and that stopped and uh in the wee hours of the morning the keeper went to shore and he actually saw pieces of the lighthouse washing up on shore including his yeah. own uh some of his own belongings his own clothing mm.
2: uh and uh you
3: know everybody knew what happened <clears throat> excuse me um and uh the lighthouse was gone when they uh you know, when things cleared and they could see what happened, there were just a few bent pilings on the rock. And the, uh, the bodies of the two young assistant keepers were found a bit later. They apparently tried to swim to shore but didn't make it.
2: Uh, so it's, it's
3: a pretty famous tragedy. It's one of the most famous tragedies in lighthouse history. And the lighthouse was rebuilt as a proper granite tower the second time, and they took five years to build the new tower. Uh, and it's considered one of the great engineering achievements in, in lighthouse history. Hmm. Wow. What a story. I could go on (laughs) (laughs) if you want me to. But uh, the story story of the storm itself is a very dramatic story, and the, the, the story of the building of the lighthouse is incredible. Um, you know, they could only build a low tide, a few hours a day. The workers would actually keep an eye on the tide and rush out. You know, as soon as the ledge was clear, they'd work as fast as they. Somebody described it as looking like a bunch of crows descending on a carcass. You know, and the tide would go down. They'd all get out there as fast as they could. Work for a few hours. They had a lifeguard on duty all the time. The workers were required to be good swimmers because it was such wow. a dangerous location. Uh, and uh, because of, because the you know time they could work was so limited, that's part of why it took five years to build. Uh, and uh, it's in, it's incredible that in in five years nobody uh, was seriously injured or, or died in the building of the lighthouse. That's amazing. Um, yeah.
2: Five years to build it, and it fell down in a year.
3: The first one fell down in a year. The first. The one. The oh, previous okay. one. The second no, one the second. is still still standing. Second one. Yeah. Okay. Got confused. Yeah. Because <laughs> they built it right the second time. They did not build it right <laughs> the first time. But it, uh, part of what was interesting about the uh, the first tower uh, falling down in the storm is that there was a huge argument in uh, the press between the, the designer, the guy who designed the lighthouse, Captain William Swift, and the keeper. Uh, the, the designer blamed the keeper for the lighthouse falling over. Because oh. he said, uh, for one thing, he said that a platform had been put in the lower part of the lighthouse, and he said that the seas pushed against that and helped knock it down. Really? He also said that the keeper put a, a rope uh, from the lighthouse to a rock nearby that was meant to be an escape route, mm-hmm. and the designer claimed that ice on that rope uh, pulled down on the lighthouse and helped bring it down as well. <laughs> And the keeper said that that was all ridiculous. That it was totally the designer's fault. That it just wasn't, you know, built well enough to stand in a place like that. And
2: a rope. So, yeah, a rope and this was brought all, the whole place down.
3: Well, it, it didn't help, I think. But uh, I don't think it brought it down. But um, you know, it was just wow. interesting the way this this was played out in the press, and the, the the newspapers took one side or the other too. They didn't they didn't all side with one one side. So it's it's kind of fun to read through all that. Hmm. um and I, I quote a lot of that material in the in the book
1: as well that's, that's the interesting thing about jeremy when he does his uh books when he writes his books he does a lot of research so uh he the, you know he's an amazing man as far as uh knowing his facts uh it's really important to him so that's why his books are so good thank you, thank you.
3: yeah i do uh, you know the uh, i i love going to source material you know i think that's uh you know often um kind of overlooked a lot of times you know things are kind of recycled the same stories are written over and over again but you really need to go to the the original material the letters and government documents and everything and uh, i actually uncovered some some letters that i had never uh seen in print before uh in some newspaper articles that i you know were quite interesting and i don't think it ever been in a book before so it's like finding treasure when you find that stuff
2: Right. Absolutely. Research mm-hmm. researches. I, I used to love to do the research when we did an investigation, go back and research the house or, you know, the property. Yeah. Love that. Never had enough time, you know, to yeah. spend with it. You know, it, it's very time-consuming.
3: Yeah, it no, is. Absolutely. The more you dig, the more, you know, the more you realize that there's there's no end to it, you know, mm-hmm. um, depending on what you're looking at. But, um, right. uh, more i got into the minus light thing is the, the, the more i realized i didn't know about it you know it's just a tremendous subject
1: mm. well we actually have to take a break right now so you're listening to ghost chronicles next generation with the blonde bombshell herself and carrigan in new england's own van helsink ron Kohlick, right here on tojanet parix ghost channel and beyond and our special guest tonight is lighthouse historian and author jeremy donchmont we'll be right back after the following messages An oasis in this hectic world.
2: And welcome back to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation with Ron and Anne. And our special guest this evening, Lighthouse historian and author, Jeremy Dodramont. Hello. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Where's Ron?
1: I'm Ron? here. Uh-oh. Oh. Well, speak up, son. What did ah. I get to say? I don't know. There you go. You, yeah, so, you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Jeremy, uh, you mentioned about the disaster of what happened to uh, Minot's Ledge, but yes. uh, it's because of this disaster that it's haunted, though, isn't it?
3: Yes, there are definitely some uh, ghost stories attached to, to Minot's Light. Um, two main ones that I've heard, uh, the one that you uh, often hear is that People uh, traveling near the lighthouse in boats, especially if there's a a storm approaching, it's been said that they see uh, the figure of a, a man on the ladder on the side of the lighthouse. Uh, and it's been said that if you get close enough, he's actually yelling, uh, in Portuguese, which was the language that one of the, the, um, you know, the assistant keepers who was killed, the language that he spoke Portuguese, uh, that this, uh, figure is saying, stay away in Portuguese over and over again, excuse me. And, uh, they say that that's often heard in times of storms or approaching storms, um, Excuse me, my allergies are acting up a little bit if I clear my throat a lot. I apologize. You but um some the of other story wine. that <laughs> the other story that I've heard a number of times is uh that uh sometimes the keepers later on in the second lighthouse after it was rebuilt mm-hmm. that uh they would hear a tapping on the walls that there was no explanation for. Uh there was one night where the head keeper was up late at night. He was working in the the keeper's log at a desk <clears throat> excuse me and uh he heard well he had a he was smoking a pipe and he tapped his pipe on the desk in front of him like tap 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 he heard uh, seconds after he did that he heard tap 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 from the wall in front of him and he thought that was odd because there was only other one other guy in the lighthouse the assistant keeper who was asleep so the uh the head keeper uh rang a bell that summoned the assistant keeper who came you know was half asleep and came came down and said you know what do you want i was asleep and uh he said did you just tap on the wall and the guy said no i was sleeping what are you talking about (laughs) and uh so they thought it was pretty strange and later uh the the uh the head keeper found out that the 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 keepers in the first lighthouse before it fell over they would actually communicate with each other between floors by tapping on a stovepipe uh so Was, he was a little, uh, a little freaked out by that when he found out. Wow, about that.
2: that's amazing. Now, did people when they rebuilt the new uh, lighthouse? Yes. Did people still live in the lighthouse? I mean, that, I mean, oh, that was their job as a keeper. <clears throat> they had to live yes. there, right?
3: Yeah, yeah, there were always uh, keepers living inside the lighthouse. It was never families, unlike a lot of you know lighthouses that had some some land around them, frequently had families living at them. But this one was always males only, or so-called stag station. And uh, (laughs) (coughs) excuse me, they had um, a couple of floors of living space. Well, actually, in the second tower, they had uh, a few floors of living space. But you know, was it was it was pretty pretty tight quarters and uh, all round walls, and uh, right. kind of, you know, you couldn't be claustrophobic and live in a place like that. It's kind of <laughs> like living inside inside a pipe. Um, and, in fact, uh, at least one keeper quit because he said he couldn't stand round walls anymore. So basically <laughs> they, the uh, government would assign three keepers to a lighthouse like that. There'd always be two there at one time. The other one would be on shore, on shore leave, and they'd rotate them. Uh, you know, maybe uh, you'd have like two weeks on and a week off. But in winter, when the weather was bad, you might go, you know, several weeks without being able to get off. So it was not for everybody that kind of life Mm -hmm. (laughs) there were quite in the history of the lighthouse service there were quite a few keepers who went uh basically went crazy in one way or another Mm -hmm. there are stories of keepers attacking each other trying to kill each other there are stories of keepers attempting suicide or even committing suicide in some cases uh supposedly one of the keepers at mine has attempted suicide but i've never found an exact record of it but um you know it was uh it was a tough tough way of life imagine you know, I'm listening to the wind howling outside here tonight. Imagine, as bad as it is, just, just being anywhere tonight, imagine living inside a, a lighthouse a mile offshore on a rock oh. on a night when, when the wind chill was like 40 below zero with the wind howling around you and the waves smashing against the side of the lighthouse. You know, just just imagine that. <laughs> yeah. Um, That's you know,
2: frightening. Yeah, and
3: no man, way in man, the world I, would I want to be there. Man, Ron I'd wants to be th- there, though. I'm I sorry, don't. what was that?
1: they are not the best insulated either and they're heated mostly mm-hmm. with uh, small stoves
3: right. right they would have had a cold stove with a pipe going between the floors to supposedly provide heat later on they uh they use kerosene heaters uh ron uh you and i are very, very familiar with whaleback lighthouse which is a, a kind of a shorter version of minot it's very similar it's off of kittery maine and uh we're involved with its preservation but um uh We know one of the last keepers at Whaleback lighthouse, Jim Pope lives locally, and he said that the uh the kerosene heater they used when he was there started uh misbehaving and basically all the guys uh there got sick from the fumes mm. and one of the uh one of his uh the other guys on the crew uh was overcome by the fumes and fell and broke his leg oh <laughs> so there were there were a lot of lot of dangers involved with living in the lighthouse. He said the heater didn't keep it warm at all anyway. Right. So it was almost point, pointless to have it. Oh. <clears throat> he said in I, the, uh, Jim said in the winter at Whaleback, if you wanted uh, a glass of water or a cup of coffee, you had to carve a, a block of ice out of the cistern in the basement because that was your source of water. So it was all frozen in the winter.
2: <laughs> oh, my God.
1: <laughs> yeah. And I, uh, I, I, like, actually, I actually can attest to that, too, because uh, a couple of years ago we did uh, a swim to raise money in December, and i was at uh whaleback lighthouse uh dressed up as santa claus and the only thing we had it was a small portable heater like pretty much like yeah. they would and and it's it's not a pleasant uh pleasant experience at all yeah and you
3: were out there for what three or four hours by yourself ron right before right
1: imagine all night oh.
2: yeah i hope you had a lot of stuffing santa
1: yeah, no, I don't think so.
2: <laughs> You're too skinny to be Santa.
1: <laughs> Whatever.
3: Yeah. Well, yeah, well if any it's consolation, book. we were freezing on the boat, too, Ron.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, it isn't. <laughs> I didn't think so. And anyways, uh, Jeremy, uh, this book is, is just out, right? And, and it's got yeah. a lot more than we just talked about, too.
3: Yeah. Yeah, it's uh it's available on Amazon as I said, and uh or you can go to my website, New dot net, and go to the bookstore page and, and read about it there. Um, and what's the title? And uh, the... sorry. The title? the title? The title is Lover's Light, a history of mine and Sledge Lighthouse. Uh and um, I've just had some requests for uh, you know, review copies and stuff like that. So hopefully some reviews will be showing up pretty soon in various publications. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, it's, I mean, uh, sorry, go ahead.
1: No, it's okay. I, 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 it's a you know a big undertaking, and, and of course you've written a lot of books, and there are ghost stories in a lot of the the books you have written, uh, and and you also stepped out of character a little bit in that you wrote about of course uh, Ocean Born Mary, which is uh, an inter- one of the most interesting stories I think in out of New England.
3: Yeah, it's a story that appears in a lot of like anthologies of ghost stories New England ghost stories Um, and uh, it was a lot of fun to work on a couple years ago I spent a a winter working on that and uh, for those those who don't know Oceanborn Mary uh, was a real person her name was uh, uh, Mary Wallace and she came over <clears throat> in a boat in 1720 actually she was born on a, on a ship coming over from uh, Ireland from Northern Ireland her family her uh, parents were Scottish living in Northern Ireland and they were coming to New England in 1720 and pirates attacked the ship uh, as they were getting near the New England coast and Mary's mother was about to have the baby but apparently the the stress of being attacked by pirates caused the baby to be born just as the pirates were attacking no. Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs>
2: That's
3: <laughs> kind of mind mind blowing. But um, so the, uh, the this newborn baby is there on the ship, and the, the pirate captain at first was going to have everybody killed on the ship, and you know was robbing everybody. But when he saw the newborn baby, he uh, had pity and said, uh, "I'll spare everybody if you promise to name your baby Mary." So of course the mother agreed to name the baby Mary. Some people think after the pirate's mother or wife, but we don't know for sure. Um, And the pirate captain actually gave Mary's mother presents, including a bundle of Chinese silk that was later used to make Mary's wedding dress years later. So uh, Mary was a real person. She settled in Londonderry, New Hampshire. She later lived in Henneker, New Hampshire. There's a house in Henneker, New Hampshire, known as the Oceanborn Mary House. Um, but she never actually lived in it. It was built by her son. She lived with another son late in her life, but she never lived in the house that everybody knows, knows as the Oceanborn Mary house, which is kind of strange. And it's, it's uh, famous as a haunted house. There was a, a longtime owner of the Oceanborn Mary house. His name was Gussie Roy. And uh, he died back in the 1960s, but he used to give tours for a quarter of the house, and uh, he had all kinds of tricks he would play to make people think the house was haunted. He would drag chains behind him, and he would step on a loose floorboard and make a a rocking chair go back and forth. And he would say, Mary's rocking in her favorite chair, and that kind of thing. Um, His mother used to dress up in period clothes, almost like she was playing the ghost of Ocean-Born Mary. So uh-huh. this, and this, basically, whatever he told the newspapers, they print it. They, they seem to believe it, and they print whatever he said. So it became quite famous as a haunted house. Uh-huh. I, you know, I I believe that such things exist, but in the case of in this case, I think it was pretty much made up.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> but wasn't it's that a invest-
3: book to work on?
1: Wasn't that investigated by someone famous as well?
3: Uh, it was. It was investigated by uh, Hans Holzer and oh. Sybil Leek the famous uh, spiritualist from England, worked with Hans Holzer, and she did a, they did a seance, and Sybil Lee came out with all kinds of uh, interesting stuff about uh, people, somebody dying on the property or stuff, but nothing she said really seemed to fit into the real history of, of the place. Uh-huh. Um, and also uh, Ed and Lorraine Warren visited there as well, and Lorraine, I'm sure, a lot of listeners know about it. Ed and Lorraine Warren, they're pretty famous. She's still alive. Um and uh, she said her her first uh sort of out of body experience happened in the uh, Oceanborn Mary House. It was a powerful experience for her. Oh. So you know, I'm not saying there's nothing going on there but the the stuff that Gussie Roy uh talked about was, was pretty much made up to uh get people to give them quarters for for tours. But <laughs> it's it's fun, you know, he it, it, it's People had fun he, with it
1: he actually uh would uh charge people money so they could dig in the backyard for treasure yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
3: yeah, God. I think it was a quarter for a tour, and I think for a while he was charging like fifty cents you could and he had shovels there, and you could take a shovel and dig dig in the backyard for treasure <laughs> because the the story was that pirate treasure was buried there but uh Ooh. nobody i don't think I don't think anybody had ever found anything except a horseshoe or a few nails and things like that. <laughs> it's a beautiful oh, house. The house is still there. It's privately owned so you can't go into it, but it's a, it's a really beautiful house on mm. a back road near uh Hennaker, New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. I was, nice. you know, I I'd never been to that town before. It's a really pretty area and uh mm-hmm. her grave is right in the town there right next to the uh town hall. There's a little cemetery there. Oh. Mm-hmm. Cemetery. Trip. Check it
1: out. Cemetery. Yeah. yeah, you should it's a, it's a neat <laughs> cemetery. <laughs> Anyways, we have a question in the chat room Ann.
2: We do. Uh John wants to know if uh, he can buy your book Jeremy uh on Kindle. On a Kindle version. Uh
3: the Minot's book is not available yet on Kindle. The Oceanborn Mary book is. Mm-hmm. So, if you search Amazon for the Oceanborn Mary book, you should be able to find the Kindle version. I do okay. plan to make the minus light book available on Kindle, but it's not not yet. But give me a give me a little time, and they will mm-hmm. be available eventually.
2: It all takes time.
1: <laughs> it's all about the base. Excellent.
2: Mm-hmm. Excellent. Uh, so, go ahead.
1: No, go on. Go
2: eh? ahead, Ron. <laughs> I was going to ask what other what other haunted lighthouses do we have? Um, <laughs>
3: Huh. <laughs> we have a lot. A lot of haunted lighthouses, <laughs> right here in. What would in, you like uh, to tell us about? Well, um, Ron and I are quite familiar with uh, a haunted lighthouse here in here in New Hampshire, fifteen minutes from where I live, Portsmouth Harbor Light. Uh, and uh, in fact, Ron and I give uh, given a number of haunted tours there as a fundraiser for the lighthouse.
1: Oh, we and, sold out. Uh,
3: always sold out yeah absolutely uh we uh how many did we do this past year some like seven or eight eight of them and uh eight eight nights of them with uh three tours per night so that's 24 tours and they all sold out with uh 16 people per tour it's a lot of fun it's a it's a neat being on the grounds at night it's on a coast guard station so normally the public can't get in there at night and uh it's uh, you know it's a beautiful place and there's a lot to talk about. It's also we also go into Fort Constitution, the fort next to the lighthouse that has a lot of stories as well. And um, people, some people may have seen Portsmouth Harbor Light and the fort on uh, Ghost Hunters a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's gotten a lot of attention for for those stories. And uh, it's hard to know where to start, but the, the usual suspect that a lot of people talk about that, that uh, they think is. Uh, hanging around Portsmouth Harbor Lighthouse is uh, a keeper, a long-time keeper, named Joshua Card. Was mm-hmm. there for 35 years mm-hmm. until 1909, until he was 86 years old. He was the oldest lighthouse keeper in the United States at the time. He retired. And uh, he uh was, from all accounts, was very attached to the place. He didn't actually die at the lighthouse. He had a stroke. He had to retire, and he, he died a couple of years later. But... um you know, it, there's a lot of uh, enough uh, reports of uh, people seeing a figure that looks like him and hearing a voice inside the lighthouse. There's just all kinds of things, and it seems to point to him keeping watch 100 years I, after. I
1: it, have yeah. to admit, though, Jeremy, uh, yeah. I, I don't know why, but uh, lately, especially for me, uh, the, yeah. the woman there has been really um, showing herself. In fact, I, I've seen her which on um, one of those tours. Right. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I know. There's um and the Coast Guard, uh, you know, they're on watch there twenty four hours uh much of the year and they've they've reported seeing a woman walking along the, the seawall at night. So that's yeah, uh, she may be the more active spirit there, it seems.
2: Do we know um, who she is?
3: is? No. Uh do you want to talk about that, Ron? We have some uh ideas well, we about a... who she might be from go ahead.
1: Well, I'd like to hear what you, you're going to say.
3: Well, I mean, there there seem to be multiple spirits there. There seems to be a lot going on. I mean, there's such a, a long human history of mm-hmm. that place. I mean, there's, the forts. there's been a fort there since the 1630s. There's been a lighthouse there since 1771. So a, a lot of people have lived on those grounds. There's also been a lot of, sh- you know, shipwrecks nearby. And, and uh, you know, it's just a very active area, has been for a long time. So, um we had, uh, you know, family members of lighthouse keepers that may, you know, be involved in some of the paranormal stuff. But the, um, but I think uh, in a couple of the investigations, you uh, made contact, Ron, with a a woman who was possibly uh, lost on a, a ship or, or boat nearby, something like
1: that. Yeah, at sea. Uh, we don't know nearby. It was certainly at sea. Right. Mm. Hmm. Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, we got. Uh, I think we got some kind of a date on it too, or, or the, that she was hinting at the date. Or um, it, this was a young woman, was, wasn't it? Like a teenage girl. Well, that's the thing. It, it, it's so difficult because it's not like we carry on, you know, a a, a uh, long conversation with her. Uh, it's pieces that that are showing, and but she seems to be really prevalent. I don't know why. Uh, you know, it, it was you know it was a unique experience to see her. On the tour, I, I thought that was uh, pretty amazing, and it took me a little while to put the one-on-one one together that it may be the same woman that the Coast Guard had been seeing. And uh, and, the, and then again, when Steve Possum was over here, we did that investigation there, and we did the Ouija board in the same place where I saw her. Uh, we did have a woman coming through asking for help. Do you remember that, Jeremy? Oh, you yes. weren't there. I well, I heard
3: didn't... about it, but uh, you're right, I yeah. wasn't there.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, the, that, uh, I, I don't know. I, maybe that, you know, because we're there all the time, Jeremy, we're doing the haunted tours, and, and uh, you know, maybe she's uh, reaching out for, for some yeah. type of help that we just haven't figured out what it is.
3: Kind of seems that way. It seems, um, kind of seems like when you're at a place a lot like that, doing that sort of thing, that it's almost like providing a, a microphone or something, uh, like a, a platform for these spirits to, mm-hmm. to say their peace or whatever. Right. Um, yeah. But there's been a lot of uh, things, you know, there's been a number of investigations there over the years, and um, there was one investigation where two two people who were taking part in this investigation absolutely swore to me that from inside the lighthouse, looking out one of the windows of the lighthouse towards the fort, that they saw a, a figure of a woman walk. They described that she was walking out of the water like, through the wall of the fort, and they saw it repeat twice. They they claimed, and I came into the lighthouse just after this happened. So we were looking out the window for a while. I didn't see anything, but they, you know, they were pretty pretty certain about it that that's what they saw. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, yeah, which you know seemed similar to the Coast Guard saying that they've seen this figure of a woman walking along the the wall there often. Right. Um, but another thing is, during some of the investigations, like with the first uh, New England Ghost Project investigation with with, uh, with Maureen Wood on hand, mm-hmm. she felt that there was a, a young woman near the keeper's house, near the lighthouse, who was uh, the, the mistress of the keeper, she said. "Oh, uh, And it seemed to be from the late 1800s, a young woman in her early 20s who was gardening outside the house. Maureen could see her gardening there. Mm. And, uh, and a few other people seem to have possibly picked up on that same presence as well
1: so right and, and you know what's interesting is that you and i have investigated quite a few lighthouses together mm-hmm. and you yes. know and, and, and always got some some type of results i, I think in in all of the investigation wouldn't you say so yeah
3: yeah i think so uh rose island we spent a couple of nights there uh Borden Flats and New London Ledge was a really interesting one. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah.
1: Also Goat Island?
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's uh, stuff going on there as well. Um that seems to Goat Island is a really interesting one partly it 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 uh, stems from a more recent event, uh, somebody dying out there only uh, about 10 or so years ago. And he seems to still be there uh in a way. Right. So that was a, a really interesting night.
1: Yeah, we got some oh. excellent EVPs there. Uh, I, I remember yeah. uh, we were in the Tower, and uh, Leslie Marden was with us, and she, she is, of course, a medium, and she wrote the book uh, Medium Rare. And uh, she asked, it just came out of the blue, are you the one that likes to grope the woman? And we get a very clear <laughs> voice. We get a very clear voice that comes in and says, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that was
3: pretty bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> that seems to have nothing to do with the uh, the, the thing no. that's talked most about there is the the fact that there was a caretaker who lived at Goat Island Lighthouse. Uh it was in two thousand two. His name was Dick Curtis, he was the winter caretaker and he had been living out there in winters for a few years and he drowned near the island in two thousand two. Mm. Uh and um, his friend who they actually grew up together, his friend Scott Dombrowski, who spent the night there with us, who's the the chief caretaker for the lighthouse. Uh, he, he's felt for a long time that Dick uh, Curtis's presence is still there, and uh, certainly Leslie seemed to agree with that. There was uh, right. quite a bit of evidence that night. Mm-hmm. Um, it, was, it was so neat. We didn't tell Leslie anything about, about Dick, and she didn't know anything going in. We were in the bedroom that had been Dick Curtis's bedroom upstairs in the Keeper's house, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and suddenly Leslie just kind of blurted out to to Scott, um you know, she said, uh, oh, we're talking about Dickie, right? Your friend Dickie. And nobody <laughs> had said anything like that to her up until then. Mm-hmm. And Scott was the only person who knew Dick as Dickie. And it was just oh. kind of amazing that she came out with that the way she did. Oh.
1: Uh. It, it, another interesting thing I thought was cool, was not dramatic at that, but she said, uh, I, I had a feeling that the bed should be taller. And oddly enough, it was at that time mm-hmm. when they lived there. Because he could look out the, uh, the window. Oh, yeah. But, oh, yeah, that's yeah. right. Mm-hmm. And totally And she, forgot. she picked up – sorry. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, not good. I was going to say she picked up a, a pair of binoculars uh, in the house as well, and she – she like she wanted to hang on to that. She was clutching it and saying that this belong these binoculars belonged to somebody very important to this place and she described a man uh basically the person she described was was dick curtis she described him perfectly physically oh and my God. uh yeah and she she you know she said some reason i want to hang on to this this was this 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 man loved this place so much and you know this, these were very important to him mm-hmm. so she was talking about dick
1: do you, do you remember the Ouija board thing? I mean, she was we were talking, I think we are doing glass swirling or something, and then all of a sudden, she's, I, he wants to talk to us on the Ouija board, and I said, well, I don't have a Ouija board, and she said, it's in the closet or something like that, and there it was in the closet. Oh, yeah.
2: <laughs> oh, my God.
3: Right, and there's that, no way she should have
2: known
1: that. Yeah, and, and that that's, of course, when the uh, cafeteria woman came in looking for uh, Jeremy and the dead one <laughs> That's right.
3: Well, wasn't there also some a male uh, somebody who uh, said he was going to kill you or something like that? Or are you, oh,
1: something, yeah, yeah. something, yeah, so said, something uh, like that, right? Yeah, it was like, uh, oh, I, I want you. Uh, uh, he wants you on the, the Ouija board. And I said, no, I, I really don't want it. He said, oh, he wants you on the Ouija board. And we get on it and it says, you die tonight. Oh. All right. <laughs> I did. Oh my God. Anyways, uh, the pizza is here, so we have to yeah. uh, say goodbye. So, Jeremy, I want to thank you so much for joining us tonight.
3: You're very welcome. Thank you very much for having me. Yes, always a pleasure. Great.
1: And, uh, you know, good luck. Check out check out your website. Give it out one more time, please.
3: Uh, my website is www.newenglandlighthouses.net. I also have a a Facebook group, a New England Lighthouse's Facebook group that's a lot of fun with uh, thousands of members and uh, people post pictures and news and everything. That's a lot of fun, too.
1: And you also give tours as well, don't you?
3: I certainly do, yeah. Uh, NewEnglandLighthouseTours.com. My tour schedule for the coming season is already up if people are interested in that. I give uh, minivan tours based in Portsmouth to various lighthouses.
1: Which is great because it's not like you'd get on a bus with like a hundred people. It, it's a small, intimate group, and and of yep. course, Jeremy knows you know so much information. It's it's an awesome tour, except for one person. Huh? <laughs> 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 okay.
3: But I'm not sure I get that, but oh, uh, thank uh, you. I think
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, it was an awesome tour, actually. Um, so, anyways, Jeremy, thanks a lot, and have a good night. You're welcome, you too thank you take care thanks jeremy. Good night good night, so anyways, it's time to wrap it up in and uh yep. tune in on the uh twenty first yes and well, we have we
2: we've got another week in between. don't well, you do i'm gonna be out next week
1: yeah, and i'm gonna be in uh Myrtle beach
2: oh wow, all right, so you won't hear from us next week.
1: Well, maybe. I might do it on the road. Who knows? All right. So, from us here at Ghost Chronicles Next Generation, we want to say good night, God bless, and have a Merry Christmas.
2: Merry Christmas. Yes. <laughs> Thanks a lot to everybody. We'll see you soon. Good night.
0: From goalies to ghosties, long leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us, good
3: Lord. Is
2: there more living? For-